First John chapter 1, would you open there, let us lift up the name of Jesus Christ and he's lifted up in his word. First John chapter 1, again page 1021, if you'd like to use the Bible that's provided for you. And again, if you're our guest, uh, we have begun a series of messages last Sunday and will continue through most of the summer uh, that is from First John, we're calling it Love and Truth. Love and truth, the two great themes of the epistle of 1 John, the word truth, the word love. And this morning, we take up this passage that we read earlier. And this passage, along with all of 1 John, has to do with a reality check. The book of 1 John is written to help us to be real. For us who profess that we know Jesus as Savior, to know that we're real, that we're genuine, to be real. And knowing that we are real, to live in reality. Not the make-believe facade of reality that defines the world but the reality of God in Christ and life with him. That's real. That's real. And so we come this passage this morning as, again, John is writing to us about how to know who we are and how to know where we are. It's important to know where you are. How many of you here, anybody here that's ever been completely and totally lost? I mean, you had no clue where you were and actually it was starting to scare you a little bit. Okay, I mean, actually totally lost. Okay, some folks uh, uh, admit to that. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this. and I don't know that I've ever been... Um, in a situation where I was completely lost, at least thought I knew where I was. Maybe I'm uh, deceiving myself like, you know, Daniel Boone. Somebody asked him, if he, Daniel, have you ever been lost? And he said, no, I've never been lost. I've been mighty confused for three or four days, but I've never been But now, how many of you have ever been in a situation where someone thought you were really lost? Oh, yeah. You know, there's a, a story that's become a legend in our family about when I was not lost. But everybody thinks I was lost, okay? Many years ago, we were on vacation near Destin, Florida, and... Uh, saw where they had these wave runners to rent. And I thought, oh, this would be a blast. Get out there on it. And at that time, we had the two, the two kids, uh, 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 Stephen and uh, Ruth. And Ruth was maybe about eight or nine, Stephen about five or six, something like that. And I said, hey, get on the back. We're going to take a ride. And we got on this wave runner. And it's in this sort of uh, this bay area but you can see where a bridge way out there crosses from the bay over to actually the beach. And so I said, boy, let's go for that. And boy, we just started off in that wave runner. They're, they're loving it. I mean, the wind's blowing, you know, boom, boom, boom. Oh, you know, Stephen's wahoo, go daddy, go daddy. We were, you know, 
We get out there to the bridge, though, and turn back, and strangely, things look different. <laughs> you know, the bridge was way up in the air, and yeah, I could see where we came from, but where's that cove? And so I started heading back that direction. I'm going down, I'm going down. I mean, you know, the land's there and the beach is out here. I mean, I know where I am, but I can't find that cove. And I don't want to pull up in some cove where we're not supposed to be because that would be embarrassing, okay? Just, you know, so I keep looking around and around. And the kids, are we lost, Daddy? No, 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 we're not lost. No, no, just, just scanning the beach here, just enjoying it. We've rented this for an hour. What's the rush, you know? We're just... Finally, Ruth becomes convinced that we're lost. She starts whimpering back there, you know, and then Stephen's starting to get in on it, and, and then it happened. Oh, standing up on the wave runner. This teenage tan man from the wave runner company is out looking for us, okay? <laughs> and he hollers out, says, where have you been? Your wife's crying on the beach. She's so worried about it. Oh, and now the kids are going, oh, yeah, we're going. You know, they're just like, what? You weren't doing that a minute ago. Okay. So I follow Mr. Tan Man in, you know. And, and there's Susan, who was weeping over the loss of her family a minute ago, and now is just, you know, the emotions have changed. I mean, and now this story is told and then told for years, but now it's like this. We were out in the ocean. Oh, and the waves, we couldn't see land, and there were sharks around us, you know, you know. Really? I wasn't lost. I wasn't lost. I keep saying it. It's just the ongoing saga, okay? Amazing now, if you got a phone or a device, you can know where you are. Maybe we can say they know where you are. You know where you are? I just find this fascinating. You know, you can go out, there you are. Okay, well, you want a little closer? How oh, there you are. Okay, okay, have a little closer. There you are. Not still not sure. Well, here, here, this is where you are. You're Knoxville. See, there's the valley, goes up and down. Well, yeah, I, well, where am I? You go a little bit closer. There you are, see? There you are, West Park Baptist Church, 8833 Middlebrook Pike. That's where you are, right down the street from Marco's Pizza. Notice that, China Lee. It's all there. I, don't, I wouldn't want to know how close they could get in, okay? All right, we probably don't want to know that. But, but that's amazing. That's, that's, okay, when did they get that? Now we got Google Street now a minute ago. Okay, I didn't ask for that. That's a violation, okay? I want you to know that. Okay. Let me do this. <laughs> it's important to know where you are physically, of course. But how much more important is it to know where you are spiritually? How important to know where you are spiritually? And friends, listen. God wants you to know. 
God's not playing hide and seek. God's not saying you figure it out. God wants you to know where you are in relationship to Him so that you can be enlightened and you can be aligned on where you are, where you're going, and who's going with you on the journey. That's what God wants. He wants us to be enlightened so that we can be aligned. And that's the reason John writes. He's writing these people who don't know where they are spiritually or they're in great danger of not knowing where they are spiritually and going very much adrift into a dark place. And so John writes this. And you see in this passage what he shares And this is the way I'd like us to look at it for just a few moments. He shares one great reality to guide. One great reality to guide us. Then he shares three lies to avoid. And then he shares two truths to embrace. One great reality. And out of that great reality, avoid these three lies. And embrace these two truths and you will be enlightened and you will be aligned with where he wants you to be. So let's look at it this way. First of all, John shares one reality to guide us. One great reality. What is it? Verse 5. This is a message we have heard from him And proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now in verses 1 through 4 as we saw last week, John shares the ultimate reality of the existence of God in Christ. That God came to this earth in Christ and life is in God, in Christ alone. That's the great reality of the existence of God in Christ. But now, in these verses, he shares about the ultimate reality of God's essence in Christ. It's one thing to know God's existence, but how much important to know God's essence. What is he like? What is God like? This God that is, what is he like? And in one simple, profound declaration, John says it this way, God is light. God is light. Now this is the third time. There are three times. This is the second of three times in his writing that John records God is blank. Three things he says about God. In his gospel chapter 4, John records that Jesus said to the woman at the well, God is spirit. God is spirit. That means God and his nature is a spirit being. Not a physical being, but he is a spirit being. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God is spirit. Here in 1 John, 
chapter 4, verse 8, he's going to say God is love. God is spirit. God is love. And now he says God is light. God is spirit. God is love. God is light. That's his essence. Now, that's a common image for the nature of the divine. That didn't begin with Christians. Even pagans back in ancient times would refer to the divine as light. But where did the pagans get that from? Where was the original source of the idea that God is light. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from the very first verses of revealed truth. When we're told in the beginning was God. And then we're told, and God said, let there be what? Light. Where did that come from? Nothing else existed but God. There was no place God could take light from because no place else existed. The only place light could come from was himself. So God said, let there be light, and he sent out light from himself because his nature is light. He's the light source, light, the idea of purity, the, the idea of that which is perfect, light. Darkness, what is darkness? Darkness, the idea there is anything that's contrary to God. What's darkness? Darkness is anything contrary to God's nature. God is light. So the question here, and we have to ask ourselves when we're interpreting the Bible, this is very important, what was John thinking when he said... God is light. What was he thinking? Well, we don't have to wonder about that because he answers that. He's already told us what he was thinking. Look back at verse 1 and verse 2. John said, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. You see that? Verse 2. In him was the life and the life was manifested and we have seen it. What's he talking about? Life. There's this life that has come into this world in Christ. Remember what John said in his gospel? John chapter 1 verse 4. He said, in him was life, and the life was what? The light of men. You see what John is saying? Listen carefully. God is light, life-giving light. God is life-giving light. The light is the life. God said, let there be light. And the light that came from him was life. God is life-giving light. David has a beautiful thing he says about this in one of his psalms. You ought to commit it to memory. It'll touch your heart. 
Psalm 36 verse 9, David said, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. In you is the fountain of life. Life is in you. And as we have you as our literal life source, in your life we have light and we see what we need to see. We have light. See, God's life in us, God's life in us in Christ produces light for us. God's life in us produces light for us. Now, why is this so important? Why is this so important? Why is John saying this? Why did he pick up the quill and take the ink and get the scroll? And why did he, in his late 70s or 80s, feel compelled to say this? Why? Remember the context from last week. He is battling against a false teaching known as Gnosticism. Gnosticism, which taught that human beings, by revelation of divine truth, can climb higher and higher into enlightenment and illumination to where they live on a plane that's no longer connected to this material world. That's what Gnosticism taught. And Gnosticism, listen carefully, also taught what is known as dualism. Dualism. What does that mean? They taught that the force of the divine, the force of life that goes through the universe has a light side and a dark side. There's a light side of this divine force And there's a dark side. And they divided existence between light and darkness, good and evil. That's dualism. And Gnosticism taught that the Logos, the Logos, was this life force. This life force. And yes, there was a light light side to this life force. And there's a dark side. That's the reason I like to call this Star Wars theology. Light side and dark side of the force. But friends, never forget, the force is a farce. The force is a farce. It does not exist. There is only one ultimate life source in all of the universe, and that is the life source of God himself, and God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. That is the truth. This idea that there is eternal evil, and there's eternal good, and they fight it out, and you just got to see who wins, that is paganism. There is one God, and He is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. That's only God there is. That's reality. And if you want to live a real life, you got to start right there. There's one light, and that light is God. 
That's the reality. Now, I love the way John says this. Literally, if you translated this literally, it it would be a little awkward. But literally, John said it this way. In him, no darkness is not one bit. In him, no darkness is not one bit. I love that because talking about Star Wars, it sounds a little bit like Yoda to me. In him, no darkness is not one bit. In him, no darkness is, not one bit. I want you to know, there's not a Yoda of darkness in God. See what I did there? Okay. There's no darkness in God. That's the truth. That's what guides us. Now, John lays down that truth. He says, Gnosticism is a hoax. Dualism is false. This light and dark stuff is a farce. So he says, because that's true, there's five things you need to know. And he starts them all with the word if. Do you see this? If, 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 if. He has five statements. He starts with if. Three of them are negative. Two of them are positive. Since there is this reality of God... To guide, if this, you're going to have a negative outcome. But if this guides you, then you're going to have a positive outcome. Now let's look at this. He's talking about three lies, first of all, to avoid. You've got to avoid three lies that don't line up with the reality that God is light. There's three lies. Taught by the Gnostics, taught to this very day. And we can believe them ourselves. That's the reason he shares these with us. The first lie is the lie of sin's denial. The lie of sin's denial. Verse 6, he says this. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. And do not practice the truth. Now notice he says we. John includes himself. He doesn't think he's above falling into this trap. No one is. He says even if I say this. You need to know. I'm walking in darkness. He says if I say this. If we say this. This is the lie. What's the lie about? The lie is about. Listen carefully church. The sinfulness of sin. That sin is really sinful. What does that mean? Sin exists. Sin really exists. What is sin? What is sin? Sin is missing God's standard. And it doesn't mean just by accident. It means breaking God's standard, violating God's standard because He is the standard. He's the standard. And when we miss God's standard, we are sinning. It's real. And it has real consequences. What happens when a person violates God's standard? Here's the consequences. Consequence number one, you will not be walking in fellowship with God. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
What did Jesus tell us to do? He said, follow me. You want to know what it means to be a Christian? It means follow Jesus. Follow me. That's what it means. And Jesus walks in the light because he is light. And if we walk in darkness, we violate God's commands and we say we're walking in fellowship with the Lord. He he says you lie. You're not practicing the truth. You're not walking in the truth. You're not walking in the truth. Now, notice something here. This is very important. Take from what John says here. Make sure this comes to your heart. This is important. Our walk is our truth. What we walk is our truth. Not what we say, what we walk is our truth. This week, I was listening to some music on the internet while I was doing some preparation and one of those ads dropped in, you know, and I thought, I didn't hear that, what? And so I I went back and I got it and it was called hashtag my truth, hashtag my truth. And it says, I speak my truth, my Calvins. I speak my truth, my Calvins. I'm going, what? It's a Calvin Klein gene ad. An advertisement for Calvin Klein genes. I speak my truth, my Calvins. And I'm going, really? You're going with that. That's the guiding principle of your life. You're going to speak your truth and you're going to wear your Calvin. Well, folks, I want to tell you, you don't put truth on like Calvin Klein jeans. And guess what? You can't say, I got my truth. It's not your truth. It's God's truth. Put this out of your mind. I hear this all the time. This is a lie. It's an insidious lie of the devil. You need to understand it. It is wrong to say, that's her truth. That's his truth. This is my truth. There's only one truth. God's truth. Amen. We don't create truth. There's truth and error. What agrees with God is truth. What does not agree with God is not truth. It doesn't matter what an advertisement says. It's not up for an opinion poll. You don't vote on it. An election. It doesn't change from generation to generation. God says, my word is what? Truth. Stop this foolishness of saying, well, that's my truth. You better check out your truth. Because you're not going to stand before God someday and God's going to say, oh, I get it. Well, that was your truth. Sure. That's fine. No. No. We walk our truth. What we walk out, it is our truth. Why is that true? I love what the commentator Alfred Plummer said I love this he said light can be shut out but it cannot be shut in See, you can shut light out of your life but if you have the light of God in your life guess what you can't shut it in you will live it out you can't help yourself I dare you like I said last week I double dog dare you 
You can have the light of Jesus Christ, the life of God in you and keep it in. We live out our light. And so we have to be as honest as John is honest. I mean, there's a reason he's called the son of thunder. He's not called the son of murmur. He's called the son of thunder because he said, if we do this, we lie. And do not practice the truth. If we say, well, you know, I'm good with God. God and I, we're good. But we walk in darkness. We're lying. That's what John says. We're not practicing the truth. The truth. This is the first time he's going to use the phrase, the truth. He's going to use it 20 times. Why? Because he wants us to know reality. Not the subjective reality of some kind of spirituality that floats through the world like Gnosticism or passes for a lot of modern day Christianity, but the revelation of the truth of God in Christ Jesus. He says we need to know this truth. There's the lie of sin's denial. And why is this so important? Because if we don't deal with this, it leads to the lie of self-deception. There's the second lie we've got to avoid. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. This is self-deception. Self-deception. What is self-deception? Well, self-deception here, notice, it's denying the inner, inner sinfulness that we all struggle with. He says, if we say we have no sin, that is, oh, we've, we've grown beyond that. He's, he's dealing with that Gnosticism again. Oh, I've, I've learned. I've learned some special knowledge. I've grown in knowledge. And, and this can even come to us in our churches. Oh, I've had Bible studies. I've taken this class. I've taken that class. I've taken this course. I've increased in knowledge. But we're not walking in truth. We're deceiving ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. Self-deception is the worst form of deception. It's terrible when someone deceives you, but when you deceive yourself, how horrible is that? How does this happen? Listen carefully what I'm about to say. It's when we see the fruit of sin in our lives, but we don't connect it to the root. We say, oh yeah, I've got this stuff in my life, but I'm really okay in here. I'm really spiritual. I'm just kind of messed up out here. But I'm really okay in here. We, we see the fruit, but we deny that there's a root problem. It's, it's like this. I'll give you an example. You pick up a piece of fruit. Piece of fruit, you're just about time you're about to bite into it. It's got a hole coming. And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not biting into that. I might bite a worm in half. Guess what? You don't have to worry about it. There's no worm in there. Because the worm didn't make the hole on the way in. The worm made the hole on the way out. 
The larva of the worm was in the bud and the bud formed the fruit and out of the core of the fruit, that's where the worm came from. He made the hole on the way out, not on the way in. What are we to do with our lives? We look at our lives and we compare our lives to Scripture. We see things that are of darkness. We recognize things are not right. If we're not careful, we just want to deal with the externals and we don't want to go to the root issue. The root issue is sin in my heart. We do it like this. We start changing words. One of the greatest dangers in the world today of Christians is a danger of vocabulary. We don't use Bible words. We take current words and spin them, but they're not Bible words. It's like this. Of course, some of us have got behaviors that are wrong. But the problem's not the behaviors, the problem is sin. We've got hang-ups. Our heart goes out to everybody. We, we just got hang-ups in our life. But the problem's not the hang-ups, it's the sin. Well, I've got some weaknesses in my life, don't we all? Yes, but the problem's not the weaknesses, the problem's sin. I've got some habits, all these habits. I need to get rid of these habits. And we use that word habits, but that's the fruit. The root is the sin that produces the habits. We we want to be sympathetic, and I'm very sympathetic here. We want to talk about addictions, and addiction is a terrible reality. It's a terrible fruit problem, but the root problem is the sin which produces the addiction. We want to talk about syndromes. Well, I got this syndrome or that syndrome. The syndrome is a fruit issue. The root issue is sin. Friends, listen. The problem is not outside of us. The problem is us. And some folks say, if I could just have a change, if I could just have a different person in my life, if I could just have a different job, if I just had a different income, if I just had a different education, if I just had a different upbringing, if I just had this or that, I could change. But friends, the reality is this. Listen carefully. Wherever you go, there you are. Change of relationship, change of scenery, change of anything, you take yourself with you. It's a road trip. You're taking yourself with you wherever you go. And so we have to be honest. And we can't let ourselves to be deceived, deceiving ourselves. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth's not in us. Here's the third lie, the lie of the Savior's defamation. You know what? It's the worst thing of all. There's only one thing worse than lying to yourself. There's only one thing worse than lying to yourself, and that's lying about God. Lying about God. Verse 10, listen. If we say we have not sinned, that is, I no longer have a struggle here, That was in my past. 
I'm done and free from that. If we say we have not sinned, we make him, God, a what? Liar. And his word is not in us. This is a blatant refusal to acknowledge any sinful deeds in our conduct. Listen carefully. John's talking to professors. This is the obstinate attitude of an unrepentant, unregenerated person. An unrepentant, unregenerate person will blatantly refuse to acknowledge sin even when God has brought it by His Spirit, by His truth, even from loving people to us, we'll say it's not true, that's not right. That is to make God a liar. And who was the first one in the Bible to call God a liar? Satan. When we deny our sinfulness, when God says we need to deal with it, then we are blaspheming God Defaming his name. Now the lies about sin are terrible, aren't they? Oh, they're terrible. But as we come to the table right now in just a moment. The truth about Christ is wonderful. Amen. Because where sin is abounded, even this sin. Grace superabounds. Amen, brother. Hallelujah. Here's the truth regarding fellowship. We can have fellowship. Verse 7, if we walk in the light as He is in the light. We walk with Jesus. We are having fellowship one another with God. And the blood of Jesus His Son is cleansing us from all sin. Here's the essence of fellowship. We're walking with the Lord. It's evidence. What's the evidence of fellowship? We're walking in the light as He is in the light. And what's the experience of fellowship? This is so amazing. The blood of Jesus Christ is cleansing us from all sin. And I used to have a problem with that. That made me think that I was earning the the forgiveness of the blood of Christ by walking in fellowship. And I knew that wasn't right. But I didn't understand what John is saying here. He's not saying that this is an award that you earn. This is an awareness that you receive. as you Here's how it works, and I know you're going to understand it. As I walk with the Lord, as I draw near to the Lord, and I walk with Him, I become more aware of what? My own shortcomings. I become more aware of how the darkness is in me. I become more aware of the continued remaining presence of sin in my life, and I'm humbled by it, and what do I do? I cry out to God for mercy through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm repenting, and He is forgiving. And that's the walk of a Christian. We're constantly repenting and we're constantly receiving the forgiveness of our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's truth regarding forgiveness. I, your, your conscience may be pricked this morning. You may be here. And it's like God has put his finger on your heart. But here's reason he's put his finger on your heart. Not that he's angry, but he loves you. And he wants you to know this. 
If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's the requirement. It's not just to be sorry. It's to confess. If you confess your sin, don't confess your habit. Don't confess your hang-ups. Don't confess your addictive behaviors. Confess the root. It's sin. If you confess your sins, it means you say the same thing. That's what confess means. Did you know that? It means to say the same thing God says. It's when you agree with God against yourself. God, you're right and I'm wrong. And it bugs me that you use Sam, that sinner, to tell me I'm wrong. But you are right and I'm wrong. And you confess. You desire to turn from it. And notice, you confess your sins. You see, that's plural. Oh God, if I've sinned, if I've done anything wrong, if by chance anyway. No, 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 no. Name it. Name it. What is it God's got on your heart? Name it. Name the sin. Say what God says about it. Turn from it. And what will he do? He is faithful and just. He's never changed. He loved you before you were born. He loves you now. He loved you before you committed that sin. He knew you were going to do it. He still loves you and he's still faithful and just. Your sin has not changed God. And if you will confess, he is faithful and just to forgive. What's that mean? To carry it away. To take it away from you. And to cleanse you, to wash you of that sin. What's the basis of the forgiveness? That you pray enough? That you plead enough? That you're sorry enough? No, there's only one basis for forgiveness. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. What do you cry out to God? What's the basis on which you ask God to forgive you? On the basis of your precious Son's blood, Jesus Christ, Father, forgive me. And he will never turn away from the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. He will hear. He will cleanse. How much will he forgive? Some of it? Part of it? He forgives all sin. You don't have to go out here and he says, let's see if you do better. You go do this for a week and then we'll see. No. Right now. All sin. Because as great as the sin is, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, is stronger and more powerful. Amen.